Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from down under. We come to you in the midst of a Manchester sandwich off the back of a heartbreaking 2-1 defeat to the blue half and with the red half looming large before the World Cup break. We'll be reviewing the game just gone where Fulham almost grabbed an incredible point at the Etihad and previewing our final game at the Cottage before the World Cup today, as well as answering a couple of your questions. I'm joined today by Sam. Sam, how are we going? We're here. I'm sorry we're late. We're here. Yeah, unfortunately we've been uh, otherwise preoccupied and uh, haven't been able to get this podcast done over the last few days, so it is good to be back. It feels a bit weird having spent so long not podcasting, so it's nice to to finally get a chance to get together and chat about Fulham again. So, Mm -hmm. look, Sammy, let's um, sort of get straight into it and talk about this Man City game. Um, First things first, let's talk about the lineup. Uh, There was one big piece of news which we just missed uh, when we podcasted last, which was the Niskins Cabano injury. Your thoughts on that injury? Yeah, it's devastating. I feel I genuinely feel really, really bad for him. Um like he's thirty, so this I feel like the injury has a lot more weight. As well as he's just had a really good season and I feel like he's really established himself. Um one, his place in the team too and like the Prem and oh, I just feel really sorry for him. Like what what do you say? Like I don't really think he's gonna be able to like recover and if he does, he's probably not really gonna be the same player. Yeah, it really is a shame. We were literally on the last podcast talking about how great a season he's having and how much yeah. we love him and um, how we were hoping he'd kick on from here and it's a really good opportunity for him. And, you know, he's possibly even keeping blokes like Harry Wilson out of the side when fit. But, yeah, a real shame. Uh, Achilles' injuries are pretty rough. He's had the yeah. surgery. The surgery seemed to go really well. Realistically, he's out for the whole season because I think oh, yeah. Achilles is like six to nine months. Um, so yeah. hopefully he's back and recovered in time for next season. Uh, he'd probably be just ramping up at the start of next year. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like you said, he, he has only just turned 30. So he uh, hopefully it's not the end. I don't think it would be. And I think Fulham really are getting around him as well. I uh, don't mm. know how long he's got left on his contract. But either way, it's, it's really disappointing news for... For Neeskins, who's been having a great year, and yeah, I don't think he listens, but if he does, Neeskins, we love you. Get better soon. Recover well. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you out in the park. Send through questions. <laughs> Send through questions, Neeskins. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, look, that was an enforced change, obviously. We assumed he was going to be starting. It's going to be Harry Wilson actually ended up taking his place. Possibly, for me, a little bit too early. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um, again... I feel kind of bad for Harry Wilson, um, but yeah. I mean, we'll 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 talk about all the changes in a lot more depth. I imagine as like we go along, but um, it's also coupled with um, Vinicius as well, which really didn't do him any favors. God bless him, and I mean, like he did his best. He did genuinely do his best, but um, he's, he's, he's a player that needs a lot more to work off of. And yeah, it was a, like a, a roller coaster of emotions in this game. And yeah, it's like, let's, we'll go into it more. Well, talking about emotions, I mean, one positive that came from it was a, a forced change at right back, seeing Kenny Tete return to the team. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah. I was happy. I was happy to see Tete back. I mean, uh this this game i mean when we go through it like by like the numbers and by like the minute marks uh the remaining 76 minutes for me after the initial elation i've got a lot of things to say for this podcast yeah well so let's really... let's let's get stuck into it then so oh, um that was the lineup um uh, like you sort of briefly touched on uh, Vinicius starting, Mitro not even on the bench. Do you think mm. that change was anything to do with the World Cup? Oh, no, I think... Um, well, yeah, I guess there probably is some aspect to that. But, man, if I was Mitrovic, I would have <laughs> ran to the stadium and, like, literally, I would have, like, jumped the barricade and just been like, put me on, I don't care. Like, I will get changed right here, right now. 
Um, must have been so frustrating for Mitrovic. I'm sure, I know it was probably a bit more of a tactical decision. It probably was, got some, it probably did have something to do with the World Cup. Um, again, continuing my conspiracy that players get rested and such for these upcoming things. But um, oh, I can't imagine how Mitrovic must have been feeling. I really can't. So, look, we, we started the game um, and right from the off, you could just see the the gap, the difference mm-hmm. between Man City and every other side in the league. The, the Their ability to just hold the ball, pass the ball around, completely control the game, press us so hard, win the ball back if they lost it. Um, you know, it's it's hard. It it really did look like men against boys. Um, yeah. And it, it told after 16 minutes, um, we saw the opening goal uh, slip through by Gundogan to Alvarez. Sammy, should Leno do better? I don't want to get on to Leno's back too hard because he's saved us points through the season, but um, should he do better there? No, not necessarily. I mean, I, 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 I'm... Always gonna. I never blame a goalkeeper in any capacity, um, especially for somebody like Leno. I can, if if your defense um, is allowed to be opened up that much, and again, I'm not really overly criticizing um, Riemann Diop. I thought Diop particularly did very well, um, but look. That was a very very good ball. Um, you can argue that. He misjudged it slightly, but really not. It, like it came off like the crossbar, and then directly went in. Like, yeah, maybe he could have like um, pressed him down a little bit more. But I think, I think, I think Leno's outstanding, so I'm not going to criticize him too much. Yeah, I think Leno does get a slight hand on the ball. Um, he he looked disappointed after it went in because I think he was obviously expecting it to go across his body. Uh, Alvarez basically just hits it as hard as he can, roof in the mm. net, similar to the Pereira goal against West Ham, actually, where yeah. he just hits it with power, goes over the keeper's head, who's just not expecting it. For me mm. personally, I think Leno should do a fraction better there, and he knows it as well. Wouldn't get on his back about it because it was still a great finish, but I think Leno Leno really knows that he should have done better there. And I like like I like you said, sorry, I totally agree. I don't think Reem or Diop did anything wrong in, in that situation. I think it was a really good ball through from Gundogan and a really mm. solid finish. So, you know, one nil down. Passing. Yeah, one nil down after 16 minutes. Um, did you think it was going to be a route at that point? I didn't think it was going to be a route, but I, like, I mean, the difference in quality was extremely evident. I mean, also as well, I think we've got to touch on the fact that this was by definition i think city's b team because you had alvarez up front you had grealish starting um kind of surprised that um um mares actually wasn't starting as well considering well, um, i don't think mares has started many games this year I, i'd say no, i wouldn't say it's, in the league i wouldn't say it's the b team I, alvarez definitely is not a not a starter kanji and ake probably coming into the side and not first team players but really it was a pretty strong city city team oh it's city they all their teams are strong of course like, I'm not yeah, of course. not criticizing like so let's let's talk about the flashpoint and the point where I, I think we all got pretty excited Cancelo's red card how did you see this one Sammy did you think it was a red card as soon as it happened or were you not 100% sure? oh yeah <laughs> like he just batters him and like it's it's full contact it's a straight red it's not really an argument at all in my mind I mean from there my br- my little brain kind of exploded and like my I truly leapt into oh my god this is this is incredible because then obviously Pereira following actually converted. I was incredibly anxious when that happened. And then I proceeded to go on. I mean, it's, it's akin to watching like Titanic the first time. That's how I felt. It was just, it was every emotion under the sun in the space of that 75 minutes. I had frustration. I had hope. I had anxiety. I had like disappointment, but more like more disappointment just in general, like less about 
the other proceedings. But man, from that point onwards, I was I was like Alfie threw up. So like you weren't really as responsive, but I was going mental in like the text, just like harassing you. Also, as well, it's really important to note this was at like 2 a.m. So the game started at 2 a.m. because I was just kind of like messing around until like one. And I was like, you know what? I'll just I'll just stick around. I'll maybe watch like the first half an hour and then maybe go to bed. And I was gripped and hooked. And I did like the full nine yards because I, I was just I, I was just I was so captivated by like this game. And I mean it just really underscores what it was like to be a football fan. I know that's not what your question was, but um that's what I'm giving you. Yeah, look, I don't even remember my question after that. So what what I will say though, is that <laughs> let's actually discuss what happened for the penalty a little bit more. I, yeah. I think we have to give... I, I know we've sort of not bagged out Harry Wilson here, but both sort of agree that he doesn't look 100% ready for getting back into the starting lineup yet. But, geez, he did incredibly well. And I think the commentators touched on it. The fact that he touched the ball back across Cancelo... A lot of people would just run towards goal there, but he is being quite smart there and actually steps across Cancelo, forcing Cancelo to make a challenge or completely mm. step off him and give him a, a sort of free shot on goal at that point. And Cancelo, I, I don't think you can say stupidly for Cancelo because he didn't really have any options. Cancelo just batters into Harry Wilson. It's yeah. an obvious penalty. It's it's pretty much an obvious red card because you would say that's a goal-scoring opportunity as well. So yeah. and and I think you could see it as well. There was zero complaints from anyone. I don't wow. think anyone could have had a complaint there. It's really, so, it's really ridiculous from Cancelo to even just do that in the first place. Like it's not. I really don't really think he obvious. had many options there. I don't think he intended to batter him. I think Wilson's mm. movement actually causes the the tackle to be made, and it's just a yeah. he can't make a good tackle from there because Wilson gets his body into such a good position where he's protecting the ball and. He's not going down under contact, but he knows contact's coming and yeah. sort of plays plays for it more than trying to score a goal because I don't think there you should be driving towards goal if you want to score, not moving away from it. But he moved mm-hmm. away from it to get that contact. So it's a really, really clever play by Wilson and he was brought down quite obviously, obvious penalty, and Pereira's penalty was brilliant as well. I personally always yeah. get... A little bit nervous when Mitro steps up to take penalties because he's not—he scores quite often, mm. but he's not the best penalty taker. Um, but great to see Pereira getting more goals as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, um, like going back to your point as well, I—I want to underscore that. Like, I actually thought Harry Wilson genuinely did do the best he could in this game, but. Um, from working with Vinicius, which I will definitely get onto soon, um, from working with like Vinicius, I feel that that really negated a lot of like what he was actually able to do and able to achieve. Um, but yeah, but I, I, I don't I criticize Harry Wilson at all. Add, adding to that as well, I, I would say it's it's not just the fact that he had Vinicius that he was playing with; it's the fact that. He was playing against Man City as well, so obviously, obviously, um, you know it's it's been great that we've been able to slowly introduce Wilson and, and get him the minutes to get back to full fitness. Uh, I just think this game he he could have done with thirty minutes at the end rather than a full. Well, I mean, he came off injured after what was it after seventy minutes, seventy six minutes, something like that. Yeah, um, I, I feel like he could have done with you know, half an hour coming off the bench to try and drive home an advantage mm. and try and make something happen for us, but um, wasn't able to. So, look, I mean, one all after 28 minutes, Man City down to 10 men. Um, Sammy, I know you were sending me a barrage of messages about um, about how we set up. Why, why don't you walk me through your thoughts on it and then I will tell you why you're incredibly wrong. <laughs> wait so wait my my thoughts on essentially how we played from that point onwards yes okay here is my here is my thesis because you know what man city are a brilliant team i'm not denying that at all kind of thing um and i i am so remiss to talk about if we had mitrovic because that's obvious um but for me, for 75 minutes, it felt like I was watching this game in a state of like just 
pure panic because I was going at this rate. I cannot see a goal from open play. At no point could I see that happening. Um, and City as well were creating so many opportunities. Um, uh, and I didn't feel that we were sitting back, but I also felt just because of like Vinicius' really poor ball control and just not essentially holding the ball enough for either Wilson or Willian, we just kept on essentially really throwing away like a, a, the most amazing opportunity to actually like th- that would have been so historic. And so the entire game, I was just, I had so much hope. Um, but like, and it wasn't even like we were running down the clock. I feel that like we were trying to do things, but when essentially Vinicius kind of openly said to Man City, oh, you don't need to worry about me. And I, that was so frustrating and anxiety inducing in me. But again, that's it was coupled with that hope. I was like, Man City are down to 10 men. This is this is this has the potential, but I was like, I don't see where the potential comes from. That's that's kind of like the way I was watching the game. Yeah, I in some ways I agree with you. I I do disagree though. I think we have to look at what happened after the red card. City basically, most teams when your defender gets sent off, you would take off your striker or an attacking midfielder and bring on another defender and reset. City are that good and have that good a team and good a squad that they got a they had a defender sent off and they basically just went yeah okay we'll just play with three at the back and they were yeah. still able to comfortably dominate the game because across the park mm. they are so skillful they they oh, of course. and and because because they're so good in that top part and because the defenders left in Stones Ake and Akanji are all such good defenders having one man a one-man disadvantage in defence was never going to be an issue for them. If you think about if it was 11 against 11, their defenders would rarely be touching the ball anyway. Mm. Um, When it was 10 versus 11, their defenders were rarely touching the ball anyway because they were able to keep the ball in possession through their midfield and attack. And when we got the ball back, they pressed us so hard that they won the ball back so easily. Um, It it was... It's it's really I mean it's weird because you don't see games like this very often where a team has ten men and still dominates the whole game effectively. If we yeah. look, Man City had ten men and they had seventy percent possession. Yeah, they they completed seven hundred and seventeen passes compared to our three hundred passes. Um, they had sixteen shots compared to our four. They mm. they are such a good side. Um, it's it's really hard to it's hard to analyze a game like this because they they're so good even though mm. usually you'd analyze a game where we're playing against 10 men and you'd be going we should be dominating this we should be winning this easily you can't do that with man city and so that's no. why i disagree with you slightly i think vinicius didn't have a very good game i didn't rate what he was doing up front he had a couple of moments where he used his body well but his touch was poor his passing was pretty poor as well so i don't think he had a very good game I, I like the idea of Vinicius, but he's just not coming off at the moment. Um, no. But I also think he just didn't get the service because we were pressed so hard by City, we weren't able to play the ball around. Um, and I do, I do actually kind of disagree. I felt that he was getting the serve. I was, he was getting service at least to be able to create a counter attack, but he just couldn't. He couldn't hold the ball to save his life. And Silva just essentially stuck to the game plan that he would usually do with Mitrovic. And it just doesn't work with Vinicius. So I actually almost think that it was kind of like, if you're going to have Vinicius there, you you can't play the same game. Because I feel like, yeah, it was really, it was very, it was very frustrating to watch me. And you know what? Honestly, like I mean, I don't want I don't want to constantly be like if it's such and such and such and such, but like if Bobby was up front, I could have seen I could have seen us getting like another goal. It's just he provided like no threat and he just didn't create like any options for William and Wilson, and uh, it's it's a it's a real massive problem for me. Like genuinely, I I do feel that we need like 
another striker come January because I, I, I don't see Vinicius as an acceptable secondary option. Yeah, I, I think we are looking at potentially other strikers as well. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we do bring someone in. I Yeah, I, again, I'm not 100% sure that... Uh, I'd li- like to pull up some stats, but I have no idea where they are. Um, I'd like <laughs> to see okay. how many touches Vinicius actually had, because I-, I think you're overstating how much he actually got involved in the game. I think I think as I, um, I remember Fulmish talking about it. I think he only had two um, effective dribbles the whole game, and I think he only completed about four passes. Uh, it's poor. not overly surprising, but I, I also think he probably didn't... I'd like to see how many passes he didn't complete and how many non-effective. Because, I, I again, I don't think he actually was given the opportunity to get into the game anyway because Man City were just so good. Um, mm. But I don't... I don't I, I'm trying to find those stats now, having a quick Google, but I can't see them anywhere. But, um, you know, like, like okay, Man, Man City are good. Of course Man City are good. But I do feel like in that moment, even as good as they are, I do feel like we underperformed, and that's that's the part that like hurts me. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's hard to say. I think we, we're probably not going to agree either way. I, I'm probably being a little more realistic about our performance um, based on Man City just being that good. Um, and I think you you were you were hopeful you were probably more hopeful than me. I was I was hoping we'd be able to squeeze out a draw, but I knew it'd be tough. Um, mm. But anyway, look, we went into half time one all. I guess from there you're sort of hoping that we do close the game out. And um, I was probably surprised not to see a few earlier changes from um, from Silver. I would have liked yeah. to see maybe trying to dominate the game a bit more. But I think Silver was probably more focused. On, on making sure we actually did close out the game and, and trying not to change too much. Um, mm. So second half, Sammy, your big moment where you sent me one of your your many, many text messages on Saturday night. Um, yes, I did. Erling Haaland comes off the bench. How are you feeling? Oh, like, I mean, I don't know why. Like, he, he's, he, it's like literally like, it's like you pissed your pants and then you just see a shark in the distance. Like, I don't, I feel that Silver was almost playing it too cool when like he was like seeing Haaland warm up because like, I mean, he completely rattled us as like a line. He was by um, like a smidgen offside for the goal that he actually scored. When you think about Haaland as well, Haaland basically never offside. So I feel like that was lucky for us. Um, but oh, we held a good line there. I think lucky's hard. We did. No, 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 no. No, that's fair. Actually, no, we did hold a good. We did. Hold, we did hold a good line. Um, oh, just stress. Just stressed when like he came on because he's. It was stress. And he can do it. I, I have to say though, we did seem to deal with him pretty well. Um, you, you is it's great actually watching because to be honest, I haven't watched any Man City games this season, because um, uh, why would I? Um, yeah. <clears throat> but it was it was actually good to see his movement, and his movement's superb. Like a couple of times, yeah, you just exactly. watch him dropping in between the two defenders, and uh, we dealt with that really well. And considering how quick he is, and Tim Ream's obviously mm. not quick, um, Ream, Ream did really well against Haaland. There are a couple of instances where Robinson just nipped in and, and reacted quickly to get the ball away from Haaland as well. Um, mm. I mean, it was a superb cross for Haaland to head in that goal. Oh, um, yeah. But it's again, really well done, deepest. really well done by the um, by the Fulham backline to make sure that we we did play him offside there. And mm. um, it's good signs when when good strikers are having to be offside to score their goals. Mm. I mean, yeah, no, it's totally true. Um, he came on and, with a mission as well. He had like blood in his eyes. Yeah, and and look after the that disallowed goal, which was the seventy fourth minute. Just mm. looking at the the run of the game, there weren't actually many attempts after that. Um, no, Harland had a couple of shots blocked late in the late in the eighty minutes, and then ninetieth minute, the big turning point in the game. Sammy, 
uh, I'm going to do the one word for you. One word. Was it a penalty? Yeah. You do. You think it was a penalty? Yeah. Was well, you're giving me one word. Me. I can go. I can, I'm, I'm very happy to. Well, now, now I definitely want to know why you think it was a penalty because there's a, there's a lot of analysis and a lot of pundits online. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen many people online saying that it was a penalty so far. Yeah, but by the letter of VAR, he makes contact. Um, I don't think um, it's. I don't think it's put in place for have to have it be overturned. Um, look, um, <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to literally echo Fulhamish's points because they made some very good points on it as well. But well, ta- talking about talking about that though, did you did you were you surprised that it didn't get checked by VAR? No, because it's kind of like desperate contact in the in the box. Um, Robinson has, like any other player in the world, any other player, um, you probably wouldn't have essentially tried to make that tackle and essentially just try to, um, just try to jockey and just try to hold it, essentially. There's Kevin De Bruyne. There's any player in the world um, that you just don't want to take that risk on. It's him. And then basically all he really needs to do after um, Robinson's, um, made contact with him is just go down. That's that is the rules, and he obvious obviously he overhammed it. Obviously he was going for a penalty. Like he's he's pretty he's pretty tanky. Like he completely played that off, and he completely played it into the referee. But that is the rules. Like by by definition, what happened is a penalty. I don't think it's good. I don't, I don't think it's good for the game. Um, but, I mean, even Robinson knew. Robinson, like, he was deeply frustrated by it, but you could literally see Robinson knew that he was like, oh, he's done me. He's completely done me. Well, I, I will say that <clears throat> De Bruyne did completely do him there. It was superb. It was one of those turns. It, it's, a, it's a FIFA turn, that one. It's, like, yeah. perfectly done. It's exactly what you want to do. He steps over the ball to basically protect it, and he's going to pull it through between the two defenders there. Robinson mm. touches the back of his foot, and De Bruyne hits the ground and does somehow manages to do a full 360 pirouette as well because he got hit so hard um, mm-hmm. and falls to the ground. I, I, Looking at it in real time, I thought it was a penalty. Seeing the replays and seeing how minimal the contact is, I'm incredibly surprised that it didn't get checked on VAR because I think if the referee had gone across and seen it on VAR, it's probably 50-50 at that point. I think yeah. the, the contact, it, it just touching a player doesn't automatically make it a penalty. Um, no, but if you if you make contact and the player goes down, that's why he's completely done him. And also as well, I don't but, want to criticise Robinson because like, he had to make that tackle. He had to at, at least that do point, something. though, if... if if the contact makes the player go down, I don't mm. think the contact would make a player go down the way De Bruyne went down, and therefore it's simulation. So oh, absolutely. I, so I, I'm I'm just incredibly surprised it didn't get checked. And I don't know if you followed the other games on the weekend, but there were a couple of instances very, very similar, I think, in the Nottingham Forest game, where a player goes down after similarly minimal contact and a penalty is not given. Um mm. Uh, I just, again, it's a talk about consistency in VAR, and I don't want to be the podcast that whinges about VAR every week. And I, I just was surprised that it didn't get checked, and it's just disappointing to lose a game on a flashpoint like that. If it, if it had been a... If, it had, if we'd lost the game on that Haaland header, and he was onside, and it's been a great ball into the box, which is nodded in, and we lose a game off the back of that, then I just go, yep, okay, they're the better team. But when you lose a game in the 90th minute from what can easily be considered a dive by a, a player who a lot of people respect as well, it's very disappointing. And it and that's that's what makes it hurt more than anything. But I, you kind I, of just, I completely agree. Yeah. Like, it, like it, it, this, this is football. Like, Kevin De Bruyne, I think we can both agree, he's a genius when it comes to football. 
Um, he knew exactly what he was doing and he played it 100% right. And honestly, if I was the referee in that situation, you're 100% right. It's like, look, this is a 50-50. But if I don't give this, um, it's probably going to be a riot in either way. So he's made the split decision to just give it and not necessarily deal with the consequences of that. No, I'm not talking like City. I'm talking like in general because it's like in that moment, if you don't give it, or if you do give it, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So I'm a big believer that it's probably better to just give it. That's that would be my logic. I would probably have done the exact same thing if I was I was referee because at the end of the day, it's 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 bullshit. But it's 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 football. That is the world that we live in now. And I, I don't hate VIR for it. Um, I, if anything, I'm just I, I'm just annoyed at how brilliantly intelligent Kevin De Bruyne is. And I can't get too offended by intelligence, you know. Yeah, uh, it's it's a tough one to process. It, it mm. it's it's annoying. It's disappointing. I think there's lots that we could say about it, and uh, it's a just podcast. a shame. Just a shame to lose a game off the back of an incident like that, and not to lose mm. the game just two one off the back of some a really good performance from City. So that is disappointing. There's one other thing that I want to talk about as well before we move on. And that is the substitutions that we made. Uh, Tom Kearney and Dan James coming on made total sense. Luke Harris coming on in the 88th minute to try and make something happen also makes total sense. Kevin and Babu coming on at right wing in the 80th minute replacing uh, Willian. Sheer desperation. Silence because of thoughts. What, what are you... I mean, we didn't... Well, the only other attacking option on the bench was Josh Onoma. Um mm. But what 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 were your thoughts on that sub? Did did it make any sense to you? Because it really didn't to me. Oh, look, it made absolutely no sense. But it, all it just does to me is just really highlight our lack of depth. Like it's it's distressing that I feel that like that was genuinely like Silver's best option. Like what what else is he to do? Everybody's injured or they're unable to play. Like he he didn't. He was like strongholded into making that decision, and he had to make a change. Um, yeah, again, that also plays into like the frustration that I felt because and how I felt that like we weren't necessarily good enough because again, it's like we don't like a couple of injuries and like we it's, it's we don't even have like a team. Like I feel like I, that that was really really hard for me to watch like with um Vinicius on and like missing out on like Cabana. Again, I don't I don't want to crap on Harry Wilson because I don't think he deserves it. But like I feel that, like the lineup that we brought to City wasn't enough in general. And then when it got into like sub territory, like if I was Silva, I would be seriously investing in Luke Harris and trying to get him all the game time that he needs at the moment because he has actually proven that he's got some quality in him and uh, we 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 really need to start establishing more like depth in the side because it's really worrying for me. I think saying the team we took to City wasn't good enough is harsh because if you change out Vinicius yeah. um, and add Mitro in, that's pretty close to our starting lineup. You've got Polina, Reed, mm-hmm. Wilson, Pereira, and Willian, and then Tete, Reem, Diop, Robinson, and Leno. That's probably our best eleven. Yeah, but um, I genuinely think Vinicius is that bad that he actually brings down the side that much. <laughs> he 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 wasn't the right person, but I don't think Mitro would have had that much of an effect on the game on the weekend. To be perfectly honest, he, oh, he really I wouldn't. I, when, I, when did I Vinicius ever get in a position to to score a goal? But it's less even about like being in a position to score a goal, and it's more about like actually being able to provide support for your wingers so they can actually create opportunities, which Mitrovic does so well and he doesn't need to be quick to do that and i've seen that he can actually do that when he's playing slightly injured but again we i don't i just don't think we got the ball into those positions in the first place for a striker to support the wingers i I think we were just Mm. completely outplayed um and i i don't i would have loved to have seen mitro playing but i don't think he would have made any difference to the to the result um which is is a shame but you know we just have to we just have to look at Man City and go, yep, you guys are amazing. And we take a 2-1 a loss with 
tears in our eyes, unfortunately. But um, I was missing yeah, Cavalera at one point. I was like, "Geez, like, oh, that's bad." Yeah, um, but I, I, I do agree. There is some strengthening to do, and I think the other thing we should mention as well, off the back of this game, is the yellow cards for Harrison Reed and Kenny Tete. I mean, they're both missing the Man United game, so. Um, I don't know what that means. Like genuinely, like for us, that is that's damning. Like I don't like. Well, Bo- well, Bobby, Bobby's back next week, but yeah. Ugh. So, look, Sammy, what, what we'll do? We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll actually discuss the Man United game and and talk about what we think the lineup will be for that game, um, and uh, answer a few questions as well. So we'll be right back. And we're back. So, Sammy, let's talk about the upcoming Man United game. Uh, Man United coming off the back of a pretty disappointing result. They lost 3-1 to Aston Villa, and we know how terrible Aston Villa are. Um, They were 2-0 down after 11 minutes. Their only goal was an own goal. Um, They were pretty much played off the park. I know they had more possession, but um, they, you know, in terms of dominating performance, Villa... Who we like? I said we we know that they're not a good side. Um, mm. Completely dominated them. How how do you feel going into this game against Man United? So um, I work with three Man United supporters, and um, as I have started a new job pretty recently, I'm I'm actually quite well versed in Man United at the moment. As a result of it, they're in a weird space. They're in a really really weird space. Um, uh, I think they've also had a couple of. In- injuries like they've lost Bruno Fernandez for I wouldn't be able to tell you how long and um they're weird they're in this weird marketing situation with Ronaldo where they kind of have to play him but kind of begrudgingly and it's not really working and he has a weird effect he has a really weird effect when he plays because it's almost like his teammates are afraid to actually play with him. And we have, like, you've seen it as well um, in the Portuguese national team. How Bruno Fernandes just can't really play with him, and he's Bruno Fernandes. Um, yeah, they're odd. I, I mean, I like our chances, but again, I'd really like to play him with a full side and not what we can potentially bring. Um, obviously, as well, we do have to take into account that this was uh, Unai Emery's first game. Um, as Aston Villa coach, and I do think that that would make a pretty significant difference because he is a very good coach and he was playing a very different sort of game to the way that Gerard would do it. Um, yeah, I think it does depend on um, what starting lineup Man U chooses to do, but yeah, there are... I would. I do. From what I've seen as well, from working with the people that I work with, I do not envy being a Man United supporter at all. Yeah, they they do have a couple of injuries, like you said. Uh, they're also going to be missing Diogo Dallo, uh, mm. who's uh, they're sort of starting right back as well, which is going to make a bit of a difference for them. Their um, defense is poor. It looked really poor against Aston Villa. Yeah, I mean Martinez is a great defender, but really Luke Shaw. Hasn't been that great so far this season. Lindelof is a mm. centre back. I, I wouldn't back. Harry Maguire has been dropped to the bench. Um, they're bringing Malassia off the bench most weeks, um, mm. and their bench is full of kids at the moment. Um, yeah, which is great for their future, but realistically, in getting results, it, it's not what you want to see. Casemiro's had a really good season though. Yeah, uh, he's Christine been Christine Eriksen. Christine Eriksen's been playing well. Um, Donny Van der Beek. And Rashford have been okay. We saw Alejandro Garnacho start on the weekend. Mm. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm not 100% sure who they're going to start. You know, you got Martial sitting on the bench last week as well. He could get a start. Mm. Um, how do you sort of see this one going? I, I'm. It's it's a hard one to to predict personally. Yeah, again, I they I think they're quite likely to start with like a younger group of players. Um, we're at home, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, 
Ericsson will definitely start. I don't necessarily know about um, Van der Beek and Casemiro will be able to essentially um, hold a decent line in centre mid. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really difficult. Isn't it? It's ridiculous to say it, but like, I don't rate Ronaldo in that team. Like, I really don't. Like, I mean, he takes he takes every shot he can get, but like. I mean, the amount of shots that he actually takes versus like what he's converting at the moment is pretty woeful considering. Uh, I mean, to add to that as well, there's there's a lot going on off the field. Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, uh, apparently there's there's some news out recently that Manu, the Glazers are considering selling the club to an inver- American investment company. Um, Anthony's out injured. Um, mm. Ten Hag seems to be a little bit divisive. Um Ronaldo is kind of expected to leave Man United in January because he's not getting the game time he wants. We've seen him walking off before the end of games, and mm. it, it's 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 kind of up in the air at the moment. Then, and there is a bit of turmoil there. And I think Man United be gagging for this World Cup break because they can make a few changes at that point. They yeah. also had the game against Aston Villa on the weekend, and then they're also playing this week against Villa again. In fact, in the Carabao Cup. Um, mm. So that's, I mean, obviously getting knocked out of a cup is never ideal, but it does kind of work in our advantage this week that they're going to be playing a Wednesday night game. I think it's Wednesday night. It might be Thursday. <clears throat> they're going to be playing a Wednesday or Thursday game and, and we're getting that extra rest. But let's mm. let's look at the Fulham team news as well. So uh, Bobby Decker-Dover-Reed back, um, but Tete out and Harrison Reed out. Uh, mm. Would you put Decadover Reed back into right back? I think you kind of have to, hey. Yeah, I guess you kind of do. I'd like to see him. I'd like to even almost potentially even see him with Luke Harris. Just see what that actually does. Um, and then, yeah, maybe take Luke Harris off at maybe sixty minute mark, and then give Wilson the remaining time. Um, but again, can you really do that against Man United? I'm not sure. Um, because like it's still Man United at the end of the day. Like these are still good players. I think there's just again there's a lot of egos and yeah there's a lot of politics, but they're still they are still capable even if it doesn't necessarily seem like it. Um, how's how's Mitrovic's injury kind of doing? Well, it's it's hard to say. Like I haven't really seen any news about it. Um, which is yeah. why it was quite interesting that he was left out of the out of the lineup. Um. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one. Like I, I I don't know. We all we heard was I think that he was sore, yeah. um, and so basically pulled out. Um, you know, he, like if he starts, I I, I could see us getting a result, even pushing for like a draw or something like that. Because I the yeah, Man United's quite divisive. Um, if he starts, um, but again, like. Because uh, um, before, I, mean, I remember even saying a couple pods ago, I was a bit kind of like, eh, it's just all kind of like murmurs of like an injury, but I don't really believe that there's like an actual injury going on there. Whereas like now it's very evident that there actually is an injury and he's um, we're taking precautions with it. So, And it's not getting publicized as much as it probably needs to be, which makes me worry that it's potentially worse than we actually think. So um, Mitro's Mitro's injury for the uh, the Man City game was not related to his previous injury that he was out for. Okay, well that's so positive. his previous injury was a foot injury. Apparently, yeah. he was complaining of ankle pain this time yeah. around, which to me sounds a bit not to be harsh on Mitro, but it sounds fractionally soft and kind of maybe a little bit more tactical where we're going. Let's save him for Man United. I mean, he's um, got the karma now because like, he could have he could have credited. Uh, a golden opportunity for himself against Man City and threw it away. So I don't feel that well, sorry for him. Yeah, potentially. I, I, I'm not 100% sure on that, but... Um, I want to believe. <laughs> I, I know you do. You always want to believe. Um, but I guess the big question then, centre midfield, who comes in for Harrison Reed? I mean, it's, I feel like, um, begrudgingly, it's got to be Tom Kearney. I don't necessarily like that. Um I mean, we could we could have the conversation if you like about whether we um, give Nathaniel Chalaber uh, 
another try, but for me, he's been a naughty boy and I don't want to see him ever again. And honestly, uh, I don't think Josh Onam is quality enough. Um, we've really got to strengthen that area as well. There's two main areas that need strengthening. It's centre mid and strikers. Yeah. Uh, and I think the, well, there's there's more than that. I'd say I'd say right back and left back, we're a little thin on the ground. Um, That's true. We're just fortunate to have Bobby Deckard over Reed to step in and, and make a difference. Um, <sighs> so... Who, who's who's your man who steps in? For me, personally, it's it's Tom Canny. Yeah, I think it's he be. has always be. looked good coming off the bench, and I think he he's the person that I'd put a bit of faith in to actually do the job. So mm. I, I'd be picking Tom Canny. He's not the he's de- he, look, he's not he's I mean he's the he's the most solid second choice that we have. Um, he just doesn't excite me at all as as a player and i know i know everyone would hate me for saying that but <laughs> he's a very different but, style to what i know you like which is exciting yeah, and yeah. tom ken is also, a, a solid player who plays a little bit slower than most premier league players um, i feel like i also and, haven't lived the right canny days as well i feel like maybe. i've really seen like the worst side of him <clears throat> you wait till he pops one in the top corner on the weekend and you'll be you'll be printing his name on the back of your next shirt uh, yeah. No, it it happens. Trust me, Tom Kenny know, to score this weekend. I, I'm calling it early. Um, really, that's big calls. All right, okay. No, I, yeah, I want to see it. Look, I, so I hope you're right. Now. I hope you're right. I'll take. So that. yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I think we're both hoping that Mitro comes back into the team, and then I think both of us are probably in agreement that that Kenny's a man to come into midfield, and we'll see BDR drop back into that right back spot. Um, mm. It's definitely not the weakest team we could be putting out. I'd obviously love uh, a fully fit side to take on a Man United that seemed sort of ripe for the picking, but mm. uh, I think uh, I think this could be an interesting one, and I think we could actually cause Man United some problems. I think there's a I mean, lot going on at United at the moment, and I'd, I'd like to see us really take the game to them. And I think knowing that there's a break coming up for the World Cup, and this is effectively a last game of the first half of the season it's going to give the guys a bit of a boost. And talking of mm. bits of a boost, I don't know if you saw the World Cup squads were have started being announced here and there. And did you see who made it into the USA squad? Did he? Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson both made the squad. It's a real oh. comeuppance for Tim Ream as well because it was That's not fantastic. a couple of months ago that the American coach uh, was basically saying... I can see Tim Ream's playing every week, but he's not good enough. He's not quick enough, and I'm not picking him for the team because he doesn't fit what we do. And Tim Ream has played so, so well this season, and it's a real joy to see him make that side. I, I, I'm i sure he's absolutely buzzing because he's proven a lot of people wrong by getting into the team. I'm not sure if you've seen as well, but it's actually really, really sweet. Um, I don't even remember where I saw this. But essentially, um, Tim Ream was, like, charged with taking care of, like, Anthony Robinson for, like, the past couple of years, um, especially in the U.S. national team. Um, So they have a very, very strong bond. And you can actually see in some videos where, like, the head coach will be, like, talking and then Ream will actually be specifically talking to Anthony Robinson while the coach is actually talking to him. So that's fantastic. I'm really happy to hear that because he totally deserves it. And I think I think that just gives um, Robinson a lot more confidence going into the World Cup as well because it's always so much better when you can actually play with your teammates in that World Cup setting. I think that's great. I'm very happy to hear that. And I, I think the other thing to remember as well is that Robinson and Reem have been playing together now for two, three seasons. Yeah. They're getting to know each other and they play next to each other. Reem's the left-sided centre-back. Robinson's mm. his left-back. They know how each other move. That makes a big, big difference. You, we mm, see it with totally. that amazing Germany side from a few years ago where you know six or seven of them are all playing at Bayern Munich together. You learn how each other play. You, you're actually able to, um, to gel a lot easier. And so I think having those guys um, both moving through into the national team together is just going to benefit the USA going forward and... I I'll, will definitely be following them through the World Cup journey and, and hoping that they, they perform really well. 
Oh, they're like USA team. Like they're no joke. Rainer Pulisic, like they've got some serious desks. They got some serious up and coming players. Like, do you know, in a couple of years, genuinely, because like, it's a really young side, they could easily make quarterfinals and then potentially even more, depending on like how their draw is. Yeah, I mean, they 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 put out some really good players, so mm. um, it, it'd be interesting to see. But I'm just really happy because this it, it is Tim Ream's last opportunity to play at a World Cup, absolutely. And so yeah. it's great to see that he's he's made the squad. I'm hoping he gets gets starts as well. He deserves it 100. percent So well done, Tim Ream. Well done, Anthony Robinson on making the squad. Um, uh, Harry Wilson's going to be at the World Cup. Mitrovic is going to be at World Cup. It's it's really good to see a good smattering of. Um, of Fulham players there. Uh, mm. Polina, I assume, will be at the World Cup, and Babu's probably getting yeah. himself into the Swiss squad as well. Yeah, um, he would be. Like it's it it'll be good to see a decent decent outing from a fair few Fulham players, and we'll make sure that over that period we uh, we cover the World Cup as well. Uh, talking of the World Cup semi, and and sort of moving on from talking about Man United. Uh, actually, before we do talk that, let's let's just finish off the Man U preview by. Giving our predictions for the game, what what are your what are your thoughts on the final score? Two one. I can't tell you which way. Oh no! Come on, Sam. All right, fine. Um, you know what? The first time I'm going to um, go against us, I'm going to say two one Man United, and I will in very much enjoy being wrong. Fingers crossed. I'm going to say one all. I think Mitro yeah. will come back in, hopefully make a difference and score. Um, I think Man U going forward with Ericsson, Ronaldo, Rashford are, are probably going to be able to find a goal in there somewhere. So I'm hoping agree, we can yeah. keep them out through the whole game and only concede one and hopeful that we do create those chances that we have been doing so far. But I agree. I'd like to see, as you mentioned before, I'd like to see Luke Harris get a good run out. I think... That would um, it'd just be a good experience for him to actually get a game against Man United at the top level and and go into the break with a bit of confidence. Mm, I agree. So, Sammy, I, I mentioned we had a couple of questions. Um, the questions we have been sent, unfortunately, they focus a little bit on VAR. Um, <laughs> but let's let's talk about them anyway. So, yeah, let's go. Um, first question is from Wayne. Wayne says. Uh, why was VAR not used? I was all for getting over it and moving on until I saw the De Bruyne in slow motion and I'm still livid. Why do you think, Sammy, that the VAR was not consulted? Well, VAR really is there to essentially assist um, in uncertain situations. And in this, for instance, the referee was certain about his call. And I think if, yeah, VAR is in a position to overturn stuff, that kind of undermines the referee and then it becomes a little bit crazy as a result of that. It's a it's a Pandora's box I don't want to open. Um, yeah, I, I, I think VARs should be used to be a tool. Um, yeah. I guess adding on to that, I, I, I do kind of agree with this. I... Do you think, even though it may potentially slow the game down very slightly, do you think for penalties, especially when you consider that football, as we know, is a low-scoring game, um, one goal can make all the difference and therefore a penalty can make all the difference. Do you think for penalties, the referee should go over to the screen every time to double-check? Because not checking a penalty and potentially getting it wrong because you didn't check VAR is a massive call. The The referee's given it based on what he's seen at the time in real time. Do you not think the referee should always go and check VAR and not leave it up to someone else? Yeah, I kind of can't fault that logic. No, I think you raise a pretty excellent point. Um, I mean, it would it would say it would be it would be annoying, but I think. I think, yeah, you're right. I think if you're going to, like, I think it should always, at the end of the day, be the referee's decision. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think if, I think you should probably always check. I mean, it's, literally, they just need an iPad, like, because the idea of them having to run over to, like, the screen's a bit annoying. But, like, 
It is annoying, but yeah. at the same time, it's annoying it's losing a game because of a penalty. Yeah, no, I, I think no, you 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 have convinced me with that point. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I, I I actually do agree with you. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, so here's a, a follow up from Paul, who's also from the um, Fulham WA group. Um, do you think goals should or could be taken away retrospectively if, in the case of the one on Saturday, VAR is not used? I'm pretty sure that red cards can be handed out after a game is finished and they can also be rescinded after a game's finished. I know a lot of players dive, but as long as they keep getting away with it, they're going to keep doing it. Do you think retrospectively you could potentially overturn a goal? Nah, it's Pandora's box, man. I don't want to open <laughs> up that. I don't want to open that up. Like it's, from there, it's like, where do you stop? Like, um, um, yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel like that's a dangerous, dangerous um, place to be in when you start thinking that way about things. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big believer on leave it on the pitch after 95 minutes or whatever. That's the game that was had. Moan about the decisions if you want, but you got, you got to leave it there because, look, if you break up with your girlfriend, you're still broken up with her. You know what? You can't you can't go back and be like, no, 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 no. This word was taken out of context. It's like you just got to leave it there. You know. Sounds like you've been in that argument before, Sammy. I um, many times. <laughs> but I, I would agree. I think, um, in the same way that you can't, basically, we're, we're talking here about overturning results based no, on yeah, an incorrect decision. That. I think it, I think it's just too hard. I, I agree that it's really disappointing when your team gets screwed over by VAR. And I know that everyone talks about it, um, you know, evening out over the course of a season. But I don't think you can start altering results as yeah. much as I would love to say, you know, that shouldn't have been a penalty. And, I mean, this is one of the instances where I could see that potentially working because... It was in basically the last minute of play. It's basically the last kick of the ball. Um, we concede a penalty, which they score. If you overturn it, it's hard to argue that Man City would have come out and still scored a second goal to win the game anyway. So, but you know, there's, there's often there's often times when a team will score a controversial goal in the fiftieth minute, and it changes the game. One team sits back. It, you know, it's too hard to just say, well, if that hadn't been given, we would have got a draw. Dude, I'm not exaggerating. If you open up that, um, if you open up that world, then you have to take, you have to redo um, 1986 World Cup with Maradona and essentially strip Argentina of that. And you have to go back to 2006 when Australia played Italy, and you have to redo that entire situation. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's you can't you, you can't start overturning stuff because you just you just won't be able to stop and then it just ruins it ruins it. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I was listening to another podcast uh, just today, actually, and they're talking with Martin Tyler, um, who's a very well-known commentator. He's a guy who commentates for FIFA, actually. That was, that um, was my lasting memory, yes. <laughs> and he was talking. They were, they actually mentioned VAR because he was commentating at that World Cup and, and commentating during that game. And he said, um, you know, if there was VAR, England probably win that game 1-0 because there was a hand of God and there was also a foul on Glenn Hoddle just before Maradona went and scored that amazing second goal. So mm. if VAR was around back then, football history is completely different. Um, yeah. And yeah. you could look back through through the ages. You look back at 1966, the ball probably didn't cross the line. Um, mm. So it, it is... It is tough to retrospectively look at things, and obviously, in hindsight, we look back and go, "Yes, that shouldn't have been a penalty." But I don't think you can ever start overturning results. It gets way too, way too confusing and way too complicated, and um, it actually probably opens up more, uh, more arguments than it closes off. So, also, my good, final good question, note though. On, good question. No, very good question. And my final note on all of this as well. Yes, it's been heartbreaking. It's been awful, but. The pinch of salt is we m made Man City celebrate like they just won an FA Cup. We yeah, did that. And exactly you know what, what I said to you after the game. Exactly. But like for all the heartache, how many times is that ever going to happen for us? I don't know. 
Maybe more, look, maybe more. Uh, I was looking on Twitter post-game and the amount of Man City fans out there saying that was their best performance of the season and, yeah. you know, they did such a great job and you know, a lot of weird people somehow defending De Bruyne as well and saying it was a clear-cut penalty, which it definitely wasn't. But uh, a lot of praise for Fulham off the back of that. Really disappointing not to get points, but... The, the way Fulham played and performed and actually got themselves back into the game after going 1-0 down um, and, and hung on against a better team, uh, all we can do is try and take the positives out of that and, and take that into Man United. And obviously the guys will be gutted losing out, but mm. I'm sure they'll get back on their feet for, for the United game and, and hopefully going forward for the rest of the season as well. Yeah, look, I hated it, but I also loved it as well. It's 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 Football football's very complex. Classic football, hey? Mm. What was the World Cup question? What was the World Cup question you were going to go into? You, you, there was a World Cup thing that you were going to go into, and then you veered off in another direction. Oh, that's right. Sorry, you're right. I was going to talk about. Don't you um, cut this off before we. No, no, no. Good, good, good remembering. Good remembering. It wasn't a huge point, but I'll make it anyway. Um, I thought it was an outside chance that Andreas Pereira would actually be picked for the Brazil team. Big call, I know, because a lot of good Brazilians have been left out of the squad. But Andreas mm. Pereira has created the second most chances in the Premier League this season behind Kevin De Bruyne. Um, mm. Do you think Pereira is overlooked because he's a Fulham player? Probably. I mean, like he got overlooked at Man U for um, a long time. You know what? I'd even say it's less being overlooked and more just kind of like five years ago, I think Pereira is definitely making that squad because like, I mean, you had David Luiz captaining for Christ's sake. Um, but like, yeah, I think now I think Brazil have sorted out a lot of their issues. And I do think they're actually taking a pretty decent quality side to this world cup because I think they, I mean, actually- five, five years ago, he was only 21. I, d- I don't oh, no, I mean, like he'd be making it. Oh, you I mean, mean like five, now. If, if it was five years ago in the squad that was there? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, I think he's definitely making that starting lineup. Um, the you know the side that got absolutely wrecked by Germany. Mm. Like, yeah. I think I think he's making that side. Um, but yeah, now I I think I think Brazil's just actually got too much quality. Genuinely. Yeah, I think you're you're probably right. I, I I'm not saying disappointed because I wasn't disappointed that he missed out. I I think. He was probably unlucky. I I think he's had a really good season. And unfortunately, this is probably his chance to make it. And I think it's probably too late after this World Cup because he's 26. Next World Cup, he'll be 30. Mm. Um, he's probably just oh, 29, 30. So he's probably just over the hill unless he has an incredible, you know, next three or four years with Fulham. Um, it, it might be... Might be his his opportunity missed, and I, I'm a bit disappointed for him because of that. Because I think he's had such a good season. Uh, same with Harrison Reed; both guys have been overlooked by their national teams. When I think they they should have at least been looked at. Uh, Harrison Reed wasn't named in the extended 55 man squad, but Calvin Phillips wasn't. He hasn't played a minute football. Mm, yeah, typical Southgate there. Like I, I, you know what? Yeah, I, okay, I think. Um, um, Particularly with Pereira, he's he's had a lot. It's been a, I feel really sorry for him that he spent the bulk of his years at Man United and never really getting the time, which I actually feel like he did deserve to play way more than he actually got. I mean, if Lingard actually had, because like Lingard was starting over him, and I don't really see them being that much different in like quality. Especially now, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, so- I'm looking at his stats now, and I, he had one decent season at United, where he made 40 appearances across all competitions. Mm. I mean, 15 of those are in cups, and a lot of them are off the bench. And then yeah. he basically got shipped out to Lazio and Flamengo for three years. So he, yeah. he, you're right. He he didn't really get the opportunities I think he could have been afforded if he'd moved to a team like Fulham. And I wish we'd picked him up when we came up to the. Premier League last time round because he would have slotted in perfectly with Zambo and mm. Mikel Seri and those guys and, and actually made a bit of a difference. But, yeah, I mean, it was just a point that I thought I'd make because it, it was um, – I saw all those squads coming out and I, I really wished Pereira had had made the squad because I think he, he deserves it and I think 
He's got one cap for Brazil. I would have loved to see him add a couple more. Look, th- like maybe two more years because, like, look, I, I like he's he's older, but I still think he's definitely on the young side. Two more years in the Premier League, um, putting out good results. Fingers crossed that that's the situation. I mean, who's to say? Who's to say he's uh, like he could at least make um, the bench for Brazil? I could see that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, it all depends. If if Brazil have a terrible World Cup, you know what happens after that? You get yeah. a complete change of uh, of players, people dropping out of the side because they, you know, haven't played well. I, I look at the midfield for the midfield players picked for Brazil this time around. You got Casemiro, Paqueta, Fred, Fabinho, Bruno Gomes, and Everton Ribeiro. In, in fact, there's six midfielders picked. And five of them come from the Premier League. And yeah. I think Pereira's been more impressive than Fred Fabinho and Piquetta and probably Casemiro mm. this season as well. Yeah, but I mean, the, you do you do have the thing that they're, they're way more established in the Premier League. Obviously not necessarily sure. Casemiro, but he's playing for Real Madrid. And so that does actually give me kind of a lot of faith that maybe in a couple of years... We'll be having a very different conversation and he will actually be in like the look and all he really needs to be is consistent in the Prem and that's... That's your ticket, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed for him. I'd, I'd love to see him get into the into the international side because I think he deserves it. He's he's had such a good season so far, and uh, I'm hoping he keeps pushing and and doesn't, you know, feel too cut up about missing out on the squad. I believe. I believe. Good stuff. So, look, Sammy, we'll we'll wrap it up there. Um, really good, actually, talking about Fulham for once. Because it's been a busy week where we haven't talked about Fulham much, so uh, it's it's nice to actually recap the City game and, and look forward to the United game on the weekend. And then we've got a big gap. So look, uh, I'll let everyone know that during the World Cup, we uh, we have a couple of things in the pipes. We're going to be talking about the World Cup itself and following Fulham players in the World Cup, and also following a bit of the Australian results and and the English results as well. Um, and probably the American results, especially with with our yeah, couple of Americans in there. Um, and we'll also be trying to put out a bit of Fulham content during the time as well. So I've got a couple of things in, in my back pocket that we're going to be discussing over the period that will hopefully uh, help us look back on Fulham over the last few years and, and enjoy talking Fulham, even while there's no games to, to talk about. So look... As always, guys, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for everyone who subscribes to the podcast. We've got loads of new followers recently on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Please make sure you do follow us uh, to make sure you don't miss any podcasts or miss anything that we put out. We love uh, having your questions come in as well, so please make sure you send them through. We we love discussing them, and it gives us uh, a good thing to, to talk about on the podcasts. Sammy, as always, thank you for your time tonight. I'm going to pass out very shortly after this, and I'm looking forward to that a lot. Good stuff. And I'm taking it off your hands after multiple reports of it being way too creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, you whites. <laughs>